In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for this day is taken uh, from a part of uh, the gospel lesson read a few moments ago. I invite you to read with me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. People of God, people whose faith is in Christ Jesus. Uh, during the month of uh, June, as a part of our devotions, Jane and I are listening to a chapter of Proverbs every day. Now, Proverbs was most of the Proverbs written by King Solomon, but it's interesting to note, <clears throat> especially today, that when Solomon wrote these, he, doesn't, he was not writing the Proverbs as a king giving instruction to his subjects. Instead, he was writing them as a father who was giving instructions to his children. And as he gave them these instructions in the Proverbs, uh, it's very, very clear uh, that several things uh, were intended. Solomon wanted to make sure that they listened carefully to his words, and not only that they listened carefully to the words, but that they obeyed the words. That's what Solomon was expecting from his children. But before that, he wanted them to understand something else. He wanted them to understand that whatever instructions he gave to them <clears throat> was because of his great love for them. He wanted what was best for them. And because he wanted that for them, he wanted them to have confidence in his love for them. That's why he expected them to follow his instructions. Now, Father's Day. Fathers expect their children to obey them. But fathers and all parents, first of all, want their children to trust them. They want them to understand that they have a love for them, probably a greater love than anybody else that they'll probably ever meet, at least during their young part of their life. They want their children to have absolutely confidence that anything that they are asking of their children is because of a love that they have for them. They want them to obey, but they want the obedience to flow out of confidence of their parents' love. Now, King Solomon, fathers, and then we get to God our Heavenly Father. As we study the scriptures, and especially looking to the messages of Jesus, Jesus consistently pointed to God the Father's faithfulness for us, his children. That faithfulness was not only shown in huge, spectacular events like the Exodus or other particular things, but it was quite often shown in the everyday, what we might call little blessings that God continues to poke into our life. It was those day after day consistent think things that enabled them to see God's faithfulness, enables us to see God's faithfulness. And that's the same for true with fathers today. You know, fathers might provide some uh, expensive gifts or uh, 
for their children or take them on uh, great big vacations or do spectacular things. But it's really the day-to-day -day things, the consistency of little things that give children's confidence in their parents' love for them. And the important thing is, once that confidence is in place, that allows children to live their life as fully as they possibly can. We're in our third week of the Great Commission season, of, uh, which is taken from Matthew chapter 28. And during these four Sundays of the Great Commission season, we focus upon the four alls that are included in the Great Commission. And we also then uh, look at how these alls are connected with the four W's, uh, the four W's from our mission statement. And so our focus today is upon, as Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says, go out to all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And we see that connection with the W, the word. Now, commands are not what we usually associate with the gospel of Jesus. Uh, most of the time when we think of the gospel of Jesus, we think of promises rather than commands. Uh, commands, we find a lot of them in the Old Testament as God tries to outline different ways for us to live our life. And these commands, especially the Ten Commandments, are exceptionally good. They're good and godly. And uh, even though they show how vividly we sin and disobey God, they are designed for our good. But instead of commands, when we come to the ministry of Jesus, most of the time the gospel of Jesus is much more about his promises, about what God has done for us and what he promises us. And these actions and promises of God are entirely by his grace and mercy. God doesn't uh, sit back and say, okay, uh, let's see how you guys are going to do in following my commands. And if you do it fairly well, I'll throw a few blessings your way. That's not how God deals. It's not how God works. Instead, what God does is it gives us blessing after blessing after blessing, even in spite of our sin and rebellion against him. So the heart of the gospel is definitely the love that God freely gives to us. A love that is present for us every day. A love that is present for us throughout eternity. And a love that is most vividly displayed in Christ Jesus. A love that is most vividly displayed in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> but when we carefully examine the teachings of Jesus, we also see that they're not only promises, but they are definite commands that he gives us. He has all authority over all the heavens and the earth. He is the one who gave himself to completely to suffer and die for us. And because of this, he expects us to listen to him and to obey him. He expects us to obey him because faith and obedience go together. We are saved by the grace of God. We have confidence in God's salvation for us. But out of that confidence of God's salvation flows our obedience to his command. And that is a part, an important part of our witnessing. Usually when we think of commands, our first focus is that God is, or somebody is demanding something from us. They're demanding something from us. 
and as a part and an aspect of commands. They anticipate and expect our obedience. But we also have to understand there's a distinction between from and for. First for, then from. When we examine the commands of Jesus, we discover that they are first for and then from. Over and over again in his teachings, Jesus invites us, calls us, encourages us, even commands us to trust that God absolutely loves us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The love that God has for us. And before talking about what is expected from us, he constantly emphasizes what God is giving and doing for us. That complete understanding of God's love for us. That's the solid foundation. He wants us to understand that because of what he has done, God has solidly connected us to himself. That's the first thing on his list. So how many people here today have ever gone across the Mighty Mac? All right. Hey, look at that. Pretty good. Very good. Okay. So um, how many people here today have used a bridge different than the Mighty Mac to get from the lower peninsula to the upper peninsula? So you've gone on a different bridge? Has anybody ever gone on a different bridge to get from the lower peninsula to the upper peninsula? No. Isn't that strange? Kind of interesting. Now, I cannot understand that. That seems inconceivable to me. To me, it seems, in my imagination, there should be lots of different bridges that would take us from the lower to the upper, or vice versa. But the reality is, why don't we use all these other imaginary bridges? Why don't we use them? Because they don't exist. Because we get our feet wet. Interesting. One bridge. That's being rather exclusive. But that's reality. And what about this mighty Mac? Uh, is it free? I know. Pay a toll. What's the toll today? I have no idea. Four or five dollars for a regular car. Okay, okay, that's great. Uh, imagine driving up to the toll booth and the attendant tells you, you're free to go, the person in front of you paid for your toll. You know, hey, wow, that would be exciting. Okay. God wants us to know there is a bridge. God wants us to know, be absolutely sure, there is a real, solid, secure bridge, far stronger than the mighty Mac. It is a real and reliable bridge that connects us and all sinful people in the world to holy God. That's the connection. God wants us to be absolutely sure that that bridge is Christ Jesus, the living word of God, and he is the one who not only connects us to holy God, but he also connects us into the eternal life that God has prepared for us in the future. He is the one whose promises are sure and whose commandments are sure. And not only is he the bridge, but he has paid the toll. He has paid the toll, a huge cost, a terrible price paid by his suffering, his death, his resurrection. 
He has paid the toll for us so that we might be absolutely sure that the connection, the bridge between us and holy God is definitely there. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wants for us. Wanting us to have confidence of his connection to us and that he is the bridge, the way, the truth, and the life that takes us into eternity. Now, once this for us is in place, then the from us will follow. Jesus definitely gives commands. He most uh, clearly summarized them when he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy and also from Leviticus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your strength. Love the neighbor as yourself. And then on the night of uh, Holy Communion, he summarized this in another, another way. He said, love one another as I have loved you. That's what he expects us, how he expects us to live. He ex what is he expecting from us? He is expecting that we give all honor and praise to God. He is expecting that we live with a love for others that seeks what truly is best for others. But right away we encounter a roadblock to the bridge. There's a terrible misunderstanding and a common misunderstanding about God's love. The misunderstanding is that, well, since God loves us, then it doesn't make any difference what we do. Everybody's going to go to heaven, no matter what they do in their life. God loves us. He's going to make sure that we get there no matter what we do. Or the common misunderstanding that says, well, God is forgiving God. He has paid the price for our sins by the death on the cross. I can go out and do anything that I want, live the way that I want, and God has to forgive me. He has to forgive me because that is his promise. See, that is a total misunderstanding and misapplication of God's love and forgiveness. In our society today, we live so much according to the emphasis, I am who I think I am. And I can do whatever I want to do to live the way I think I should live. And then we expect God to bless us. Then we expect God to bless us when we're doing exactly the opposite of what he commands us to do and directs us to do. Jesus is a bridge, but he's not a bridge that leads to nowhere. He is not a bridge that connects us and takes us from one particular set of problems and then has us fall headlong down into more problems and despair. That's not the kind of bridge that he is. My mom used to put it this way when I would come home all muddy and dirty. She said, just because you know I'm going to do your laundry doesn't mean you have to hit the first mud puddle you see. You know? And that's very often the concept that we have. But that is not how God wants us to live. That's not what God wants for us. It's not what God wants from us. Jesus tells us to love one another as he has loved us. What was his guiding principle in that love? Seek first the kingdom of God and his 
righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't finish by saying, and then do what you think is right. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then do what everybody else around you tells you is right. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then do what, it seemed, what Facebook is telling us what is right. That's not what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and do what God says is right. Seeking his righteousness. For Jesus, it was always trusting his father and then always following his father. For Jesus, during his ministry, it was always listening carefully to his father and then obeying his father. Faith that led to obedience, obedience to the righteousness of his Father. And that is why in the Great Commission, Jesus clearly states, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. He wants our lives to be built solidly in his word, in his promises that connect us to the righteousness of God. Now the next comments I'd like to direct to our teenagers. The rest of you can listen if you want. Now, I'm not going to ask the teenagers to come up and uh, embarrass them, anything like that. But I'd like for you to listen carefully to these. In his Bible study last week, Pastor Ron, our uh, guest pastor, uh, focused upon Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were teenagers. They were teenagers when their world suddenly became a Ukraine. It suddenly became a Ukraine. There was destruction all around them. Entire cities were destroyed. Their homes were destroyed. Their entire way of life was now in ruins. And if that were not bad enough, they were captured by their enemies, carried off to a country a thousand miles away where they, for the rest of their lives, would live as slaves. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a teenager in that situation? And... What is interesting, even though they were battered by such wind and waves and storms, they remained standing. They remained standing. Imagine how radically our lives would be. <clears throat> all sports gone. Internet, cell phones, all of our possessions, ripped away from our family and friends. We find ourselves forcibly carried away as a stranger into a strange and impossible and unusual world. How in the world would we survive? How would we survive? And is there any way possible for us to remain standing? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego remained standing. Why? Because they were good confirmation students. They were good confirmation students. They had been given a foundation, a solid foundation in the Word of God. They had been given a solid foundation in the Word of God. And they determined and committed themselves to walk and stay on the bridge of God's Word. Others were swept away by all the changes and storms that confronted them. Daniel and his friends, and many other unnamed teens as well, were held steady by the strength of God <clears throat> in his word. They stayed on the bridge. They stayed on the bridge.
God wants us to know He has connected us to Himself. He wants us to have absolute confidence in the bridge that He has created in Christ Jesus, and He wants us to stay on that bridge so we continue to be connected to Him for the life that He gives us each and every day, and also on a bridge that will eventually carry us into eternity. So people of God, people whose faith is in not only the promise of Jesus, but the commands of Jesus. May we always listen carefully and then obey what he instructs. And may our lives always be built on the solid foundation, his word, that is the bridge, holding us securely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.